God, I can't think of a better way to start 2015 than just to come together as your church. Just as your ecclesia, your collection of people, and to say, God, it's about you, not about us. God, we give you this year. We give you our lives. We give you this ecclesia, this church. May you do wonderful things. May we see you move in powerful ways this year. May we walk in unison and step with you. God, thank you for the freedom that you've given us. Thank you for the purpose that you've given us. Thank you for everything that you've sacrificed to cover over every sin that we've had. God, because you love us, you have purpose for each and every one of us and for your church as we move together to push back the front of evil in this world. God, I thank you that you whisper our name individually, that you love us individually. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Wow. (laughs) Welcome. No, let's start that over. Wow. Welcome. (laughs) I guess that really wasn't a response. Chad's like, what am I supposed to say? Are we supposed to holler, hoop? What are we supposed to do? Well, welcome to Church Project. We're glad that every single one of you are here. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles over on the lamps, over on your right and over on your left. Uh, and if you don't own one, that's our gift to you. That's why we tithe. That's why we bring all our money together to do things like this, like give a Bible away. This is a living document. I mean, it's incredible. And we study this Bible every single week. In fact, we've been going through Luke for a very, very long time. Right now, we are in Luke chapter 22. And we're going to cover verses 39 through 46. We've been going through Luke for nearly two years. Can you believe that? And uh, just as we said a few weeks ago, we've timed it just perfectly so that, you know, we're about to go through the the death of Jesus as Easter season or, or Christmas just like you get what I'm saying. Like we just celebrated the birth of Jesus and we're studying the death of Jesus. So isn't that awesome? Usually churches time it the other way around, but not here. We're going to start like this. So a few things that I want to, I want to talk about. Uh, we, we didn't meet last week, and that was great. What did you guys do? What did you do? Like, we, we slept in. We actually went to a church in South Denver. It was a huge church, my parents' church. That was a lot of fun. What did you do? Was it relaxing? Was it enjoyful? Was it enjoying for you guys to kind of be off for a week? But I'm excited that we're back together. I've been excited to kind of march together as his church. I think for the year 2015, we're going to see some incredible things. You know how I ended 2014? Lauren and, and the girls and I went to a ministry partner that we have with Crew. And if, if you're familiar with Crew, it used to be Campus Crusade for Christ. Now it's Crew, um, Josh and Julie Baker and Megan that go to, that, that go to Church Project here, a part of it. Is that slide up there? You keep, uh, you, oh my goodness, 900 college students. Have you ever been in a place with 900 college students? I mean, it was insane, the amount of energy there. The speaker just tore it up, just proclaiming and, and the gospel news to all these college students and saying, hey, we need to live a life on mission. And to be in that room with 900 college students, like it was awesome. And so be praying for crew because they're doing some incredible things. And we're going to continue to partner with them this year more and more as we go throughout the year. Um, there's, There's some pretty exciting things happening. Like right now, today, we're celebrating Church Project 
us, Greeley, our third anniversary. Like, we, like three years ago, we started meeting on Sunday mornings. That's, that's pretty incredible, but we're, we, we're still kind of wearing diapers. Like we're a young church. The, t- the terrible twos, hopefully we just pass those. We're starting to mature a little bit, put some words together. But this is us, and exciting to see what God's done in three years. But I want to do something right now, because some of you may know that there's more than one church project. Uh, there's Church Project in the Woodland, Texas, and they're, they're quite a bit bigger than we are. Uh, there's Church Project in Aurora, uh, and, and my good friend is the pastor of that. We have one in Cincinnati. We have one in Dallas. So there's, there's five of them uh, that, that we have going on right now. And they asked us, Church Project Woodlands asked us to do something today because they are celebrating their fifth anniversary. And they're going to go through and do just this real big blowout thing next week. So what I want to ask us to do is I want us to make a little video. Is that okay? I don't care if you think it's okay or not. We're going to do it. We're going to make a video. I'm just going to say, this is Aaron from Church Project Greeley saying, we love you, uh, and we hope happy, happy fifth anniversary. So I'll, I'll do the talking. All you have to do is, is just like wave and clap and scream or something. How's that sound? Is that okay? I don't care. We're doing it. How do you, hey, techie people, how do you flip this around? Oh, I am ugly. Okay. There we go. That's, that's good. Okay, Ready? Oh, man, I got to get my head out of there. How do I do this? I should have thought through this a little better. All right, here we go. I'll, I'll just, here, let's do this. Hey, Church Project, this is Aaron from Church Project Greeley. We want to say happy fifth anniversary, and we love you from Greeley, Colorado. <laughs> I didn't record. I hope I did. So can I give you this, Lauren? Don't drop it. Well, Carl can replace it if we do. So, okay. Let's jump right in. Let's jump into, we're looking at Luke chapter, uh, Luke, uh, chapter 22, verse 39 through 46. And uh, I'm excited to enter into this passage. So let's read through it and then just see what God may be teaching us and showing us as we go through this. So verse 39. And he, Jesus, came out and went as he, as, as, was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. Verse 40, and when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down. Some of the other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Mark right here say, say he fell down on his face, okay, and prayed. Verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let me pray for us. God, this is a powerful passage. Your word is alive. I pray that it doesn't skip our hearts. It doesn't skip our mind. But I pray that you, your spirit, move in this place and teach us what you want us to hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I have a question for you. This is a question that that, that, 
the communicator at Crew with 900 students just asked, and it resonated in my heart, and it was this, are you bored or mildly frustrated in your Christianity? Are you bored or mildly frustrated in your Christianity? So the story goes like this. There, there was a, a, an, an older man, and, and he had a daughter who was kind of creeping up into her teenage years. And this daughter was, you know, just a, a great daughter. And as she started getting into her teenage years, she started dating that guy. You know that guy? Like, with the leather jacket, that guy with the, with the motorcycle, that guy is like, you know, you know that guy. Some of you were that guy. You're like, just don't look at me. Okay, come on, Dan. So, so... This girl started dating that guy, and that guy was thrilling. Like, he had a motorcycle. He had, he had a piercing. He had tattoos. Like, that guy, he's probably going to start smoking soon. Like, this was a big story, and this girl loved being part of this story, the bigger narrative. It was, it was compelling. It was bigger than her own life until dad realized that this is, that's what this girl was, was missing, a greater story. So dad introduces her to a foreign country where there's an orphanage. And this, he takes this, this mission trip over to this country. And this girl starts getting involved in a story that's bigger than her own life. A story that has little orphan girls and boys that, that she can help. And she comes back to the States. And what's the first thing she does? See ya, that guy. Like, my life is now part of a bigger story. I have a bigger mission and a bigger purpose. And as we sit here today, I want to ask you, are you bored and mildly frustrated in your Christianity? You know, just kind of ho-hum. You know, you could take church or just kind of leave it. If that's the case, I want to say it's time to engage with the gospel message that we have right in front of us sitting in our lap. It's time to engage in this and be part of a mission that's bigger than yourself. If not, you're going to be bored. It's going to be ho-hum. And you're going to be part of such a small, small story. See here, the message of love was created. Then man hated and segregated. Sin entered. And then God integrated And has been chasing after us and redeeming us and restoring us and forgiving all the sin. And that is the big story. That's the gospel message. And so if we sit here today and we say we're bored and we're mildly frustrated in our Christianity, I ask and I say, what mission, what purpose are you living out your day in and your day out? If you're part of a small story, of course you're bored. Of course, this whole thing has become ho-hum, and you can take it or leave it. So let's look at verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. Well, he came out and went. He came out from where? He came out from, in the previous passage, if you look at it, he came out from the upper room where he was leading his, his disciples. He was teaching them. He was boldly speaking truth. Um, he was loving. He was washing their feet. He came out from that area where he was pouring into them, and it says he went. He went. 
He came out and went. And if you notice right here, he didn't come out and say, hey, disciples, follow me. He came out and he went. And what did the disciples do? They followed him. Why? Because truth is compelling. People want to know truth. They don't want us to be wishy-washy. They want to know what truth is. And when you speak truth and you speak it in love, it is compelling. So Jesus lived and loved with his disciples. He went out of that room and he went and the disciples followed because truth is compelling. Love is compelling. I like how it says here that he went to the place that was custom, that place. That doesn't mean this was just like a one-time event. Hey, I'm going to go pray because I feel like I need to pray. No, this was custom for him to do this. This was, uh, all I can think of is that band, uh, Jane's Addiction, Ritual Addiction, never mind. Forget my brain fart right there, okay? But this was, this was custom. He has done this before, this place. Jesus had a place, and he would regularly go to this place and pray, This wasn't something new to him. This was a ritual that he would do. I want to ask us a question. This is a great place to put this because we all have New Year's resolutions or whatever they may be. I know a few of us have read the Bibles multiple times over. I applaud Weston for for achieving, I think, 10 years of reading the Bible every year. And I want to ask us right now, that's that's a great thing to do. Can we do that? Can we get into the ritual of reading God's word and the Bible and and make it a goal or a plan this year to do that? I won't ask you to raise your hand. I can't think of a better one to do than that. Read through the Bible this year? Let's do it. Let's get in the habit of doing that. Jesus, he had a custom place. He went and he went and he prayed. Verse 40 and 41. When he came to that place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down, or as some of the other gospels say, he fell down to his face. And what did he do? What did he do? He prayed. Jesus knew that hell was coming down on them. And Jesus knew that he was about to go die on the cross. Hell was falling down on him. He knew the agony that was coming. And what did he do, church? prayed. He knew that just natural talent and tenacity wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to get him through, not this time. But yet, oftentimes as Americans, we say, put your head down, grit your teeth, no pain, no gain. Like, we can do this. And when we say that and we have that heart posture as individuals, what are we full of? We're full of pride. Jesus was not full of pride. He fell on his face. He knew that hell was coming down. He was full of agony and he prayed. It's not until you realize your total inability to move forward until you rely on God. I'm going to say that again. It's not till you realize your total inability to move forward that you fully rely on God. 
Jesus knew where his power was. He knew what to do in the face of opposition. And he said, he told them, pray, pray, because I'm about to experience something that you don't even know what I'm about to experience. But you, you're about to experience something, disciples. And I'm telling you to pray. And I'm not just telling you to pray. What was he doing? He was praying. So church, Maybe as we sit here today, I ask us all a question. Are we seriously praying or are we just trying to grit ourselves through this life with our own natural talents and tenacity? What's it going to be for us? Are we full of pride or are we totally relying on God? I'm excited as I look forward for us, this Ecclesia Church Project in 2015. I, I celebrate what God's done in 2014, and I say, thank you, God. And as I look forward, I, I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, God, what are you going to do through us? Just look around. What are you going to do through us if we drop our pride and we surrender to God and we begin to pray and say, God, use me, whatever manner, wherever, however, whenever. If we are a church that has that posture, I say, watch out. Watch out, because number one, you're going to be alive. I'm going to say that again. Watch out, because number one, you're going to be alive. And number two, it's going to compel others around you, wherever you go, this gospel message. So Jesus, confronted with hell, prays. Look to verse 42. And he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Praying. I, I, I would do the same thing here. He starts praying to his father and he's saying, I have a request. Is there any other way to do this? Is there any other way to die for humanity and all the sins of the world than for me to go hang on the cross and do this and have you turn your face from me? Is there any other way, God? Like, please, maybe I misunderstood you. I'm not sure. Like, is there any other way? This is my last attempt request. Is there any other way to do this? Yet, God, if this is it, your will, not mine. Yet we, in our prayers... Manipulate God, don't we? God, here's another way, so I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray this way through my situation because I think that's the way out this way. That's the one with the less hurt or pain or that's going to be the easy way. And we, we pray that one and we never leave, we never go to that, oh yeah, but this is your will, God. Use my life however it may be, no matter what the pain may look like. It reminds me of a while back, there was a, a pastor down in Texas, his name was Kyle Lake, and some of you may remember this. I had students from my high school group that were attending his church, they were now in college, and Kyle Lake, it was at the beginning of the year, said, hey church, I want to challenge us. We're going to be a church that says, God use us no matter what it looks like, fully use us no matter what it looks like. For 40 days, church, let's surrender to do this. And they had a huge message, and Kyle preached this, and they said, let's bark upon this. And as we do this, let's start this by a baptism. Like this is going to be great. God use us for 40 days. It's us, however you want. And Kyle Lake got into the baptism as the pastor that just gave the great message and the mic fell in and he was electrocuted in front of his entire church. You think he was thinking, God, use me by electrocuting me today? And what happened was incredible as God woke that church up, do we say, God, here's my request, but your will be done? 
your good and perfect will, God, my life may be used by you. Our family, we like to reflect, and this year we did a reflection time on 2014 and just kind of life, and we thought about 2015 and what may happen, and my youngest daughter prayed a prayer that it was one of those where I was like, oh man, why did you pray that, Audra? And she prayed, and she said, God, thank you for the good times, and thank you for all the hard times you're going to bring our way this, this year. And I was like, no, don't pray that, like, come on, man. But it reminds me of the book of James, right? Like she has the right perspective. The book of James says that's there. Those hard times are there. Raise your hand if you don't have hard times. Carter, put your hand down. I think he's playing rock, paper, scissors. It's there. And that's what God uses to mature us as church and move forward. You know, but we can think back to hard times. I think back to, we celebrated in January 1, a fifth anniversary for our family. Our family got in a car wreck on Monarch, and it could have been a tragic car wreck. But God said, right to this point, I'm going to allow you guys to get in the wreck. We celebrated a five-year anniversary for that in January 1. I know Mounts have something to celebrate right now. Like, we all go through hard times, and it's even in those hard times that we can say, God, my request is this, but may your will be done in my life, no matter what it may be. Are you willing to pray that? We're not having baptism today, so I'm willing to. Let's move to verse 43 and 44. And they appeared, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Remember Luke, who's writing this. He's a physician. And if you know what happens with great drops of blood, it's a, that actually happens to our physical body when we're under extreme conditions of stress and horror. This is physiologically what Jesus was going through at this time. And he falls down and he begins to pray to his father in in verse 43 and 44. And I'm thinking back to Luke chapter 9 when Jesus said, I am resolute on Jerusalem. Remember that? Here is my life. Here is my purpose. I am setting my eyes towards Jerusalem. My purpose on earth is to die for humanity. That was way back in Luke chapter 9. Now we are in Luke chapter 22. And he's saying, one last request. Is there any other way but your will be done? And he falls to his face and out of stress and agony prays and says, God, your will be done. He's focused. He's resolute. He's part of a story that's bigger than his own life. Like he is part of it. He's living on purpose. For those of you that need a little bit of illustration, I wish I would have thought a little better right now, but insert the dubstep music right now. Like just put it, just put it in your mind. Like, boom, boom. like it's dropping. The, the music breaks down. There's tension. There's pressure in this moment. Like this is the make it or break it moment. And Jesus, what do we see him do in these verses? He puts his heels down. He digs in and he takes one last final victorious stand and pushing back death and the front of the evil one. He says, this is going to happen right here and right now. He is focused as the dubstep music goes, man. You feel it? You feel what's happening? The agony, the pressure, the tension that's in this place? And being in agony. Look, look, look right here. Verse 44. Being in agony. What did he do? 
What? He prayed more earnestly. How's your prayer life, church? Does pressure and trials in your life, do they push you towards God or pull you from God? No, it's that cheesy analogy of a tea bag, right? You need a little tea bag. You put it in the bot in a in a thing of hot water, boiling water, and then the flavors comes out. What comes out under that heat, under that pressure in your life? Do you turn to pride or do you turn to Jesus and to God? I mean, Jesus here right now is turning in the most tense, tense time of his life to who? To God. He prays more earnestly. Church, may we pray more earnestly. Or may we dig our heels in when we know and we're focused on Jerusalem. We're resolute on the things that God has called us to do in the colleges we go, the workplaces we go, as fathers, as mothers, as brothers, as sisters, as friends. May we be resolute and pray more earnestly. Jesus was living on mission. It's compelling, isn't it? You can see why thousands of people are following him. Because he's a man of passion and purpose. Go to verse 45, 46. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. See, Jesus We're living on mission. In this moment right here, I feel like the disciples were just straight up living. Not on mission. If they knew what was about to happen, would they, could they have stayed up and prayed more earnestly? Said they prayed, they were in agony as well. Jesus turned to the Father, they fell asleep because it was just comfortable to do. I know, I just said it was just comfortable to do. I like being comfortable. I have extra weight. Obviously, I like comfort, right? Church, let's not be a church that just goes after our own comfort, but let's push in, even in the times of agony, even in the times that we don't understand, and we're going through stuff that is just unbearable. We push into God, we dig in our heels, and we say, it's about you. Here's, here's my request, and you will be done in my life. Let's not fall asleep here. There's a religious historian, W.C. Roof. I like that name. W.C. Roof. It's a cool name. And he says this, Mission forces us to understand our core idea in an attempt to translate them. And as disciples, we must transmit these ideas through the very medium of our lives and into a watchful world in ways that are accessible and comprehensible. Our lives are the mission. Wherever we go. When you are living on purpose, don't look back. Go, do, live, push forward, dig in, pray, be resolute. I oftentimes give marriage counseling. I don't call it counseling because you could get sued. I'm not a counselor. So I give marriage advice. And this is what I'll say. Especially when there's one individual that I know is running after God. I'll say, hey, here's the deal. You stay focused on Jesus, man or woman. Stay focused on Jesus and run after Jesus with all your might. 
and you'll know that this potential spouse, future spouse of yours will be right. Because you're focused on Jesus and you're running with all your might towards Jesus. And out of your peripheral, you see a hand. And you see a foot. And you see a leg. And finally, you see enough of a body where you look over and it's her or him. That's when you know that that spouse is for you. Because they're running after God just as hard as you are. Resolute. Living on purpose. Don't look back. Don't look back for a spouse saying, who wants to come up here with me and be my spouse? Like, you want a spouse that's running after God. This is our life, church. This is our one and only life. And may we not live it just as nominal Christianity and pleasantries, walking around in just ho-hum lives, but may we walk around in power and purpose and passion. And I want to ask us, why are we so bored with Jesus? Is it just another hobby? Is this just another check mark? Or is it so much more to you? This isn't a game for me. This is life. This is my one and only life. And I want to invest it with people that we're locking arms and we're marching forward and pushing back death passionately. We're not creating excuses. Like we're going and we're holding hands together. We're rearranging our schedules to go to house church. Like we're doing stuff together as a church. We're marching forward saying it may be uncomfortable at times. Got it. I get it. But this is the hope of the world and we will be resolute and we will push back Hades. Hell, death, pain. We will stand for life. And as I was in that room with 900 college students and this this guy that was tearing up a powerful message, he said something that I hadn't thought about in a while. And he said, the gospel is not just going from bad to good. Like the gospel message is just not us getting our fire insurance and, you know, we're not going to hell anymore. We're, we were bad people, now we're good people. It's not just that. The gospel message is not going from bad to good. It's going from death to life. Amen. And in Greeley, there's a lot of people that are dead. Maybe even in this room, there may be people that are dead. God didn't just free us from something. He freed us for something. God didn't just free us from something. He freed us for something. Your life is to be lived on purpose, church. Without excuse. Without seeking just the comfort of day in and day out. But being resolute on Jesus and the mission that he has given us in our life. All of life is the arena for the sacred. I read this in a book this week called Permanent Revolution. Love it. And here's what it said. All of life is the arena for the sacred. We are commissioned agents of the king. And we must take responsibility to understand, to integrate, And extend the central truths into all spheres of our life. Because we represent a king. And may that impact every sphere of our life. Everywhere that we go. Church, why are we here? I mean, it's a cool building. Thank you, Dayspring, for letting us use this building. 
coffee's pretty good. You know, we like to see each other. That's, that's good. But why are we here? Why now? Why in this place? Why is this thing called the called church project? You know why I'm here? Because I'm here to say, hey, Satan, not in my house. Not in my house. Like, we know the story. We know that what happens. In the end, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. So church, we are alive to push back the front of hell. The advance of evil. We say, not in my house. And then not in Greeley, Colorado. We know how this ends and every knee bows before Jesus. So how do we do this as church project? Well, we make disciples. We meet needs. We grow churches. That's what God's called us to do. Every single one of us, everything that we do is about making disciples. It's about meeting needs locally and globally. It's about growing other churches. Every single one of us. How awesome would it be if every single one of us ended up going and planning another church somewhere? Like, come on. We're pushing back the front of of the evil one. We're saying, not in my house. And how do we do this, church? It's all on these pretty signs out there, so you can read them as you walk out. Well, what we do is we make disciples, meet needs, and grow churches. How do we do it? We do it by our Sunday gatherings. These are, these are pretty cool. We do them in our house churches, and we do them in our ministry partnerships. Really, take time to read those signs as you, as you leave. Like, this is what God has called us to do, and we will always be biblical, simple, and relevant. That's it. That's what God's called us to do here. Like Weston said, I believe as well that this is going to be a year of, of double, of growth, of more. Numerically, sure, why not? Passion can bring more people. I'm talking, I'm talking in our hearts and in our passion and in our purpose. I hope you look back on your life and I hope I look back on my life and say 2015 was a year of double. The year that my passion for God doubled, my prayer life doubled, my reading doubled. Like I just love God more this year and I see his fruits in my life this year. Is that what you want your life to say and be? So collectively, what would happen if we're doing that individually and we're doing that as his ecclesia called Church Project? I think that's a pretty good year as his church. This year, our church, we're moving into plurality of leadership. We're going to have elders, and that excites me. You're going to see less of me. That's awesome. And you're going to see more of our church being the church and operating in how God has created each and every single one of you to live on purpose, a passion with your life. Not to just be ho-hum. Not to just be mildly frustrated in our Christianity. I want to end with this verse. Some of you are like, of course you're going to end with this verse. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. We see a Pretty big transition in, the, in Bible history. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And as he asked that, The Hebrew word for spirit means 
a breeze, breath, wind, spirit, sense, mind, intellectual frame of mind. And when I read this, this is my prayer for my life as I look at God. I say, God, may there be a double portion of you in my life. I'm going to say that again, because that's a pretty good prayer for all of us. 2015, God, may there be a double portion of you in my life. May it be about you. May I just be a mere vessel that you move through. May I be less about me and more about you. Church, does this sound like a pretty good thing to march forward together in? Does this sound like a thing that we can do with our one and only life that God has given us? Let's awake. Let's break the chains. Let's run towards God this year. Amen. I'm going to ask us if you would uh, just, just close your Bible and let's reflect on this. I say it every week. I can get up here and throw up about a thousand words or more. But they're meaningless unless the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and in your mind. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit wants to show you individually in this place. And so can we just spend a few moments in silence? If you're comfortable with it, just hold out your hands in a a posture of surrender and say, God, here's my life, my mind, my soul, my spirit, all that I am. And God, I receive anything you want to show me, teach me, whisper into me today. So just spend a couple moments reflecting on God. Even in this place, maybe his spirit is prompting you saying, yeah, you are kind of bored in this Christianity thing and it's maybe because you're part of a smaller story. Maybe you're full of pride. If God is speaking something to you, say, God, please forgive me. Just put that thing in your hands and the thing that you're holding on to that's greater than God or driving you further from God and say, God, here it is. Like, I don't need this. Would you please take this from me? Because this year is going to be a year of you fully in my life. So here's these things that I need to give you. I ask for your forgiveness in these things. Because at times they've become greater than you. Whether it be stress, worry, money, pride, addiction, whatever it may be. He's prompting you right now. Will you give him control of all of your life? God, what will you show us in this place? How can we respond to you in this place? I pray, church, that as he moves in here, that whatever he whispers to you, you respond immediately. Be resolute on him. Some of us maybe in this room This is a message that's stirring our heart like none other before. And quite possibly what that might be is God saying, you've never surrendered control of your life to me. Life is still about you. You're still full of pride. 
And I want to ask you, church, how's that working out for you? Maybe this is the morning that you literally put your hand, your life in your hands right here and offer it to God and say, God, here is my life. I surrender control of my life to you. God, thank you for dying for my sins. I know those sins separated me from your perfect love. God, I'm sorry that I've walked in that pride. Here's my life. And church, I pray for all of us in this room that just in unity we can say, God, here's our life. Here's church project. May you move through us so we can push back the front of the evil one and we can stand for you in this world of hate and pain. May we be love in northern Colorado. May we represent you everywhere that we go. May our life be on mission, a mission that's bigger than just a whole home small about us, but something bigger, world-changing. Move through us, and we ask for a double portion of you, God, in our life and in our church. I'm going to ask us, if we would, to just stand and worship God in this place. It can be happened in, a, in a multiple ways for you. We have communion over on the, your right. And a communion, you can walk over whenever you're ready and prepared to, saying, God, in 2015, I give you my life. And take a piece of the cracker that represents his body that was broken for you and, and dip it in the grape juice that represents his blood that was poured out to cover over all of our sins. And do that remembering the sacrifice that God has given for us so we can live with purpose forgiven from sin. Some of us, it's, it's giving with our offering, our tithes and our offerings that God's asked us. You can do that on the right or you can do that on the left. Some of us, it's just praying where we're at. Some of us, it's going and retrieving our kids and coming back and worshiping as a family. But for all of us, may we lift our hands, whether physically or in our heart, and say, God, it's about you. And may we worship him in song and in spirit as we're in this place. Amen? God, thank you for your church. May it always be for you, about you, and from you. It's your name we pray. Amen.